This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. The smartest kids in America grow up to be highly successful adults, but they may be getting shortchanged in school, with the educational system putting most of its resources behind average students. One of the easiest ways to challenge intellectually talented students is grade skipping them or moving them through the curriculum faster, allowing them to really get challenged and move at their own pace. And that's really not being done. Then, what lessons can be learned from trailblazing women who've reached the top in business? A journalist explains what it takes to break the glass ceiling. Progress has been slow in part because it hasn't been a high priority issue. But I also think there's a lot of unconscious bias at work. Those two stories and more are straight ahead on this week's InfoTrack. The show begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. An almost 50-year study into America's most gifted children shows that as adults, they end up in positions of power and influence. The study also reveals the educational system may be shortchanging these gifted kids. With more, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Jonathan Way. He's a psychologist at the Duke University Talent Identification Program. He's one of the researchers who are involved in a 45-year study of intellectually gifted children. Let's start with the importance of these people to our society, the intellectually gifted students out there. You say this type of citizen really is in charge of things. Well, you know, I make that comment in terms of likelihood. So the study of longitudinal youth, the study of mathematically precocious youth, really identifies students at age 12. They score very highly on the SAT, so they're very high in ability. And what the SMPY has done is they've tracked these students over 45 years, and now they've grown up to be adults. And it turns out that they've become very, very successful later in life. One of the conclusions of SMPY and the authors, co-leaders of the study, high ability students actually end up quite successful. It shows the link between ability when young and then achievement later. I basically looked at the people who are billionaires, people who are senators, judges, house representatives, 30 millionaires, Fortune 500 CEOs, and a lot of different other groups. And I've looked back to take a look among these groups, like how able were they when they were younger? And I found that about half of the people roughly who kind of control our society, roughly half are in the top 1% of ability. So if you combine these two types of methods, identifying young students who are talented and seeing what happens when they get older, and then looking at the actual population of people who control our society and looking back when they were younger, were they gifted? Were they able? It turns out all these sources of data kind of converge on the idea that ability does seem to be related to achievement. That's fascinating because I think the common conception out there is that a lot of these people were in the right place at the right time. They had wealthy families. They were lucky, whatever. But really, that's not necessarily the case. Well, I think that those factors that you mentioned, like luck, connections, they all matter. I'm not saying at all that these factors don't matter. In fact, among the billionaires, for example, you could argue that the next generations have a huge leg up. Then you know they're born on third base or whatever. So I think that's not wrong. I just think in general, if you look at the picture of what goes into eventual success, I would say that ability is one factor. And luck, obviously, is another factor. And practicing for 10,000 hours is another factor. 
I think the most surprising finding that I saw in your study, perhaps the most annoying for those of us who are not in that 1% or 2%, is that it turns out that you can't become an expert or a top person in an academic endeavor just through practice, if you just put in enough time or through studying it. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, there's this thing called the 10,000-hour rule, and so some of the listeners might be familiar with that. It was originally by the scholar Anders Ericsson. He talks about how it takes about 10 years of practice to make it to the top of any field, and that's indisputable. It turns out that on average, okay, and this is an average, it takes about 10,000 hours or t- a decade of like just really working at your craft to become the best. But there's been other research. They looked at the literature on deliberate practice or expertise, and they found that, you know, it can't account for all the variants. And SMPY, or the study of longitudinal youth, kind of adds to that idea from a different perspective. It shows that practice can't be the full explanation. Now, practice obviously is important. No one can deny that. But it just shows there's a room for other factors, like, for example, ability. Our guest on InfoTrack is Professor Jonathan Way. He's a psychologist at the Duke University Talent Identification Program, and we're discussing a 45-year study of intellectually gifted children. Dr. Way, this study also had covered some important lessons about how the educational system should be dealing with these gifted kids. Are teachers typically handling the smartest kids in the class in the most effective way? First of all, teachers are overburdened. They have a lot of responsibilities, and teachers typically have to teach to the average of their class. they got so many different responsibilities, so there's no way we can blame teachers, I think, in any of this. But the way the school system is structured, teachers have to teach to the average. Because of that, you're going to not challenge a lot of students in your class because you're teaching to the middle student. You're also not going to be able to reach the students who are performing below average as well. And so really it points towards each student really needs to be, have a tailored education to them. And in general, I would say to answer your question, is the answer is no, we're not really challenging our best students. In fact, a recent policy brief at Johns Hopkins University and also Duke Tip, they basically showed that a huge percentage of students in classrooms are really not being challenged appropriately. Now, in my opinion, really the students who lose out are really the low-income students, the disadvantaged students. Because the funding in the U.S., for example, for K-12 funding is near zero for gifted education programs. And because of that, the students who really lose out are the students who rely on public funding for that kind of education, and those are the low-income students. And you say that in many cases, these academically gifted kids should be permitted to jump grades and go through an accelerated program, and oftentimes that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I mean, acceleration is basically moving students through an educational curriculum at a rate faster than normal because the students are ready for it. They're bored in school. And one of the easiest ways to challenge intellectually talented students is really just grade skipping them or moving them through the curriculum faster, allowing them to really get challenged and move at their own pace. And that's really not being done. There is kind of a stigma against grade skipping. Parents perhaps maybe feel rightly so, that socially their children may not develop this quickly or in the full capacity, and so there's kind of a bias against using that method. But the evidence actually shows that grade skipping and all these other things, if the students are ready for it, it really can make an important difference in their education. Is there one specific skill or quality that separates this group of intellectually gifted people from the rest of us? You know, that's a great question, and I don't know if there's one. In terms of intellectually gifted, there's the idea of general intelligence or general ability. But beyond general ability, there's also specific abilities. And one of those abilities that's really underlooked is spatial talent. So in other words, the ability to rotate three-dimensional figures in your mind, the idea of being able to use your hands to create things, 
A good example of that would be Elon Musk's company, SpaceX. A lot of the people, that, that those engineers, those people that can really build these amazing engineering devices, that talent, it turns out, is actually very underappreciated in schools today because, well, standardized tests, for example, really focus on math and verbal aspects, but kind of leave out the spatial aspect. And because of that, these tests miss a lot of these highly spatially talented people. Because they're missed, they don't get developed. And because they don't get developed, we lose a lot of innovation. I understand you've also done a separate study that looks at how watching violent media affects gifted children. Tell us about that. Basically, that study was an experimental study. We basically wanted to look at whether or not, when we randomly put students into groups, whether one group looked at the violent cartoon and one group looked at a nonviolent cartoon, whether the violence in the cartoons made a difference on their actual verbal task performance after the study. And it turns out that the students who were exposed to the violent cartoon actually performed worse. And this actually links into a large body research by Brad Bushman of Ohio State University. He's a, he's a very famous violence and aggression researcher. And he basically has shown multiple times in many of his studies that exposure to violence, like the violence in news media, for example, indirect or direct, can actually have an impact if you think about the long-term exposure. Of course, I think when you link it back into this talent discussion, really, you know, it shows that there are things that can not only boost talent, like educational acceleration or helping accelerate students along or giving them the appropriate stimulation, but there's things like maybe gifted kids are more sensitive to things like violence. And maybe because of that, that actually detracts from their development. So that's where that study fits into the larger picture. Professor Wei, just a final question. Any advice for parents with a child that they think may be gifted? If your student is talented and you recognize that talent, fight for their opportunities to be stimulated. That's absolutely critical. And that can be anything from pushing for them to go faster in the educational curriculum. It could be finding external opportunities if they're spatially talented to work on hands-on projects. You know, if they seem exceptionally creative, you know, just do everything you can to give them opportunities and probably their best self will develop from that. Professor Jonathan Way from the Duke University Talent Identification Program. Professor Way, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, the secrets of female executives who shattered the glass ceiling. That story coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 